0: Talking pit football now again eight week eight weeks from kickoff, and one of the things that you know we chatted with 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 David Hale about were it, it's it seems to be with probably the exception of last year, um and maybe the COVID year in 2020 because of returners and so forth. There there seems to be a, it's probably a semi-annual, it's, it's probably an every other year feeling of. Not doom and gloom, but who who on this defensive line is going to is going to be the next great one? And I think it's fair. It's a fair question. When you lose Kalijah Cansey, not to mention Deslin Alexander and Haba Baldonado, and John Morgan in the transfer portal, when you lose those type of players, these are very fair questions to, to ask. But I think what David Hale got back to in, in in our conversation was this kind of blind faith in that Pat Narduzzi and Charlie Partridge are going to find more, actually more aptly, they're going to develop that next group of great players. And that's what I want to jump into on the first part of today's show. I, I want to jump into this defensive line who I expect to see, have more featured and prominent roles as a result of departures. I don't I don't know if there's a Kaleja Kansi on this roster right now. You never know that until the lights go on, until the games count. I have my presumptions of who I think will be the most integral parts of this defensive line. But I would argue that with the way Pitt plays, now fortunately, and David Hale mentioned this in, in – in our conversation last week, and again, you can find that at 937thefan.com. All of our shows are podcasted, and David's interview was terrific. If you want some great insight on the ACC and Pitt, Pitt's place in the ACC. Pitt's fortunate to have a, a very veteran defensive backfield, particularly on the perimeter corner. But I would argue for this football team, there's no more important position group than the defensive line. And there hasn't been since Pat Narduzzi took over in 2015. There just hasn't been. This this defensive line is they're, – they're unchained. They're allowed to go play. They, they shoot gaps. They take chances. They play with controlled but reckless abandon. And their job is to wreak havoc on the opposition. And they've done that incredibly well. So when you build that MO, when you build that personality, it's incumbent upon – The program and I think this defense could morph a little bit I I do think that I don't think this is a one-trick pony but it's still going to start with the defensive line and you know we've seen this this defensive line thrive with excellent perimeter pass rushers Juan Price being the first most notable under Pat Narduzzi but certainly we've seen the um The emergence of Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver, and what they do uh, on the perimeter, and then there was Jalen Twyman and Kalijah Cansey inside. So we've seen, you know, different aspects of this line, defensive line, become the focal point. This year, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it's going to come from. You've got these these veteran kind of workman-like, very consistent players inside and David Green and Devin Danielson that are back. And both of these guys have played an absolute ton of football. and We will absolutely jump in to their statistics here. I think David Green, six one two eighty five, 285, going to be a red redshirt senior. Obviously, he's played a ton of football, but, you know, We've seen David Green flash. It's hard to be, it's hard to be to run sidecar to a Kalijah Cansey. It's hard, it's hard, it's a hard role. It's hard to feature in that role, but he's done a great job being an excellent role player. And what we saw later in the year, when Kalijah got hurt, we remember he hurt his shoulder heading into the the end part of the season, is we saw. David Green emerge as a guy that can be disruptive, a guy that can get into the backfield. We saw it in the bowl game. And I really liked what I saw from him against both Miami and against UCLA in the bowl game. To be that three that penetrating three technique. Danielson, you know, he's gonna he's just a plotter, man. He is just gonna hog up space. He's powerful. He's gonna get pushed but he's not the type of explosive athlete that we've come to expect from the interior of Pitt's defensive line. I think David Green could surprise some people this year. I really think David Green could surprise some people. The other guy that I really like, and he is not the prototype for Pitt, is DeAndre Jules. And I've talked about him on this show. I've talked about him on game broadcasts. He's another very veteran player, but here's a guy that's 6'3", 3'10". Another red shirt senior. And we've seen players in this pit defense. We we have seen the the freshman sensations, the Kalijah Kansies, the the Jalen Twymans. But we've also seen players really improve over the course of their career, Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver, and bust out in their last one to two seasons. I wouldn't be shocked to see that from DeAndre Jules. You know, <laughs> Had two set, two tackles, one-and-a-half TFLs against UCLA. Had a sack against Miami. So this is, again, this is after Haba shut, shut it down for the year. This is after Kalijah was sidelined due to injury. These guys had to take the mantle, and we saw them do that. We saw them do that really well. The other guy is a local guy, and, and I think he fits the mold very well, and that's Sean Fitzsimmons. Sean Fitzsimmons is – he'll be the next really good one inside, in my opinion, that people don't really – they don't know about right now. They followed him in recruiting. He kind of waited in the wings. Watch out for Fitzsimmons. Then you've got Elliott Donald. You've got all these young players that have waited for their opportunity to bust out. And there's one thing that Charlie Partridge and Pat Narduzzi have done well is they've kept those players poised, patient and they've absolutely put them in a position when their time comes, they are ready. Let's go to Jim in Wilkes-Barre. Jim, how are you, man?
1: Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, Pat, a couple of quick questions there. Uh, I know Pitt's had an outstanding recruiting season uh, so far for 2024, Verbal. A little disappointed with the quarterback position. They haven't brought any yet. Uh, Do you think they need a quarterback for this class and also a little bit more uh, depth at running back for the next class. And also, uh, I'll hang up and listen. As far as the scheduling question goes, I noticed Pitt has a a ton of openings out of conference schedule for the second half of the decade. Uh, I like to see the 3-1 format. You know, we have three teams that you could – should beat in one brand name school. And uh, do you have any uh, inside information and uh, any additions to the schedule for – the second half of 25, other than Wisconsin and the Notre Dame games.
0: And and again,
1: Pat, uh, great show. Thanks for
0: the opportunity. Well, I appreciate it, Jim, and thanks for the call from Scranton-Wilkes-Barre area. Appreciate the call. A lot of questions there, and good ones. Um, I, I think Frank Cignetti has got his eyes on multiple quarterbacks. I think he'd like to take one every year. Obviously, you've got the opportunity to to go into the portal that's, that's always appealing because of its immediate return on investment. In analyzing the quarterback position, and, and we're going to get into that as we ramp up to football season, because this quarterback position, I think right now this quarterback room is in about as good a shape as Pitt's had in a long time. And that includes the Kenny Pickett years, because there wasn't much behind Kenny. We saw that in the back half of 2020 when, when he went down with an ankle injury. Phil Kovac, you know, he's got one season. He's got six months with with this program to 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 really get his career back where he wants it and do it at home. And, and I, everyone's rooting for that. You know, Christian Veer is got all the talent in the world. Penn State, obviously, you know, transfer um, has a, a ton of upside, has some experience. You know, but you look at at where he sits. I mean, you've got Phil with with one year to go. You know, Christian's a redshirt sophomore, so three years to go and has, you know, we're starting to get to the end of the COVID years, but it's hard to do the math anymore because you just don't know how much time's left on the clock. you have also got, I mean, a guy that won a football game last year and played a big role in the bowl game in Nate Yarnell, who, you know, missed the entire year in 2020, uh, 21 rather, with with a foot injury and really had to, to get back on the saddle and catch up for lost time last year and ended up winning You know this team a game at Western Michigan and coming into the bowl game and making a a heck of a throw on his first snap, and just has gamer leadership qualities that you can't coach. You'd have to think through the course of this season. We don't know what's going to happen, but with the way the world works, you know behind behind Nate, you've got Ty Diefenbach, who's a a true freshman. I, I don't think all three of those guys will be back next season 2025 i don't know that or 2020 uh 2024 season i don't know that for sure but the law of averages uh there's one there's one quarterback that plays and i think they can get through spring brawl with the competition but we don't know how this season is going to pan out so i don't think you can bank on that so having two guys on the roster you, you don't have to take one for 2024 and who knows what else that means from a from a portal perspective. As far as running back, I, I do think depth will be important. There's a lot of veterans uh, in that room. Sibo, Flemister, Rodney Hammond, Daniel Carter, I think will play a big role this year. Um, but I you know, I can't mention specific names because they're not signed yet, but they've done a very good job in this class. I can just tell you that uh, with the running back position, and uh, I think there'll be more to come on that here pretty soon just based on how how well that position's done and, and what Frank Signetti's done with running backs Including most notably Israel, Abanacanda. Scheduling-wise, I don't have any inside info. Um, you know, we're scheduling games for, for for you know for kids in middle school, so it's uh, it's tough to predict. Uh, I think you're seeing more alignment between Pitt and West Virginia um, in this landscape. I like that. I support that. I think that's necessary. We'll head down to Morgantown this year, and it'll be an outstanding football game. Uh, I'd like to see that continue, uh, but beyond that. Uh, who knows what will shake out and what scheduling model will prevail? I think there's a lot of uncertainty about what the back half of this decade looks like. Um, just from a, from a alignment perspective, but well, time will tell. Let's go to title man. How are you title man? Oh, I'm excited. Pat. Hello? What's up title man. Pat. How you doing brother? Oh, I'm excited. Uh, I mean,
2: it's, you know, this is a time of year right after uh 4th of July that, you know, the, the college yearbooks come out, which, uh, or really a, uh, a something that's going by the wayside, and you know people can have the, you know they can read about their team on the internet. I prefer to go out there and and get. I used to get the sporting news, and I you know I'm I'm getting athlons. But when you get that, and then you, I've, I've got eight weeks now, I guess, to the start of the season. How many to the start of camp?
0: Start of camp. Jeez, Louise. It's well they start August first, titled, man. So yeah, four weeks.
2: We're, we're coming. We're coming close to it. You know, as far as Jakovic's concerned, I just go back, and I'm not an analytics guy. I don't. I don't sit there and uh, break down game film. I just go back, and I, you know, I, I hearken back to uh, 2020 when we played them up at BC, and he lit us up. I mean, I don't know if people remember that game or not, but he lit us up for 358 yards.
0: Oh yeah, and uh, I remember it well.
2: 160 yards that Flowers kid. And he had, a, that year, he had a tight end, uh, Hunter Long, who's in the NFL now. And uh, that's put really the purpose of my call. Uh, I was disappointed last year that uh, Bartholomew didn't make a jump in terms of stats, in terms of getting targeted, in terms of having somebody throw him the darn ball. You know, he had 21 catches last year following 28 as a freshman. And and I, I, I sort of my question for you is, you know what was that all about? Why was why was he being overlooked so much on offense? And do you think the fact that you've got a quarterback now who is uh, tight end friendly? I mean, I I think there's a, a potential, you know, just a potential there, Pat, to use uh, Gavin as a weapon. What, what do you think?
0: I agree. I agree with you. And I got to get to a break here, Title Man. So I appreciate the call. But I agree with you that there there are. Like like in golf, there's horses for courses. I think there are also quarterbacks that just love tight ends. I think Phil Dracovic's one of them. I think quarterbacks that can move love tight ends uh, because they can extend plays. Tight ends tend to get lost in the fray um, a lot and can be you know your scramble sack saver type type players and quarterback movement crossing patterns sneaking out into the flat um, various different uh, ways to utilize that position. Back at it, Panthers Insider. Rolls on here this Saturday morning, July 8th, eight weeks, until we kick things off. Pit football opener against Wofford, the Terriers at Akersher Stadium. Talking about this roster, talking about positions that, question marks, I would say, anticipation, who's going to step up, who needs to step up, all those sorts of questions that tend to, occupy our minds here in the month of July before training camp and we start getting some answers. Great call from title man prior to the break. And we were talking about the tight end position and the lack of utilization last year. I, I think it has less to do with scheme. And I, I do think it has more to do with the, not only the talent at the position, I think Gavin Bar- Bartholomew is a fine player. I think he's going to have a much improved 2023 campaign campaign. Uh, I wouldn't call it a sophomore slump. I, I don't think he was targeted a whole lot. But I think some of that has to do with with who's got the ball in their hands and what their skill set is and what their capabilities are. And I think Phil Dracovic, Christian Veyer, the mobility component of things, the ability to extend plays and move the pocket more consistently opens things up for the tight end position uh, as well in terms of of what they're able to do in the movement game and and, you know, in broken down plays, quite frankly, tight ends tend to get lost, you know, in those situations. And that's where we've seen the, the absolute greats really thrive in addition to work in the middle of the field. Another addition to that position is Malcolm Epps, transfer from USC. He's played five seasons. He's, he's battle tested, played receiver early on in his career at Texas, uh, transferred to USC, uh, you know, where he played tight end and, and saw some action. Uh, but this reminds me of a Lucas Crawl type player, and you know we we harken back to 2021 and and the plays that Lucas Crawl made throughout that year after a disappointing you know injury shortened 2020 uh, 2020 season. Malcolm Epps has, has that same type of frame, you know, 6'6", 250, can run. Um, you, know, you imagine having him and Gavin on the field together, or Carter Johnson. Um, I like where that position's at this year, and I think it offers. Um, you know, ways to play, you know, with two or three tight ends that candidly are going to be difficult for defenses to figure out how they treat them. You know, do they treat them like a true two-tight end set or is it three receivers? You know, how how do, how do you play? Do you deploy nickel? And then what does that do to your run defense? It's a, I think they have a challenging proposition at the tight end position, and I'm excited to see how Frank Signetti and company utilize that position going into – uh, you know this highly anticipated season 2023 is upon us and we are 8 weeks away from kickoff flip it back to defense you know the getting this show started we're going to talk to Demar Hamlin next segment sat down with him this week talk about his his charity softball game which is tonight looking forward um, to a great night at Charles Cost field uh up at the Peterson Sports Complex but with defensive tackle there's a lot of veteran names David Green, Devin Danielson uh DeAndre Jules, Elliot Donald, guys that have been in the program, in addition to the Sean Fitzsimmons and Isaiah Niels, and so on and so forth, young talent. D end with the exception of Bam Brema and Dayon Hayes, which I still I still feel like Dayon Hayes is young. I know I know Dayon is not young. Uh, he, he's a guy that's been in this program uh, for a few years now and has played a a good amount of football and including a three sack performance against Miami. I won't ever forget that. I mean, just dominated that football game, but he's a senior, but he sat behind some of the, you know, the best and most experienced and productive DNs that Pitt has produced in, in since 2008 and nine with the, you know, Jabal Sheard and, and obviously uh, Greg Romeos, and then certainly Juan Price. I mean, You've got Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver here when he's a freshman. Uh, obviously, then you got Habib Altonado, Deslin Alexander that you know play when he's a sophomore and return when he's a, a junior. And you know Dayon, uh, you know was in a reserve role. You know he he had spot duty, a couple starts here and there, but really wasn't until late last season that we saw him get the action it takes to really become you game tested and get game speed. And we saw him just get better. I, I expect that this year. I really believe that the sky's the limit for that kid. But aside from from Bam and and Dayon, I'm just gonna go through this. I mean, we've we've heard a lot about Samuel Okanola. I mean, he's 6'4", 245, Looks to be a prototype, um, but redshirt freshman. You know, Nate Temple. I, 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 I should I should go back to Nate. Nate's a guy that's just been plagued by injuries, but has a chance to to really contribute this season. Nikai Johnson, another veteran that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle, uh, veteran by, by being a redshirt sophomore. But then it's freshman after that. It's 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 Sam O. It's it's Jimmy Scott. You know, Jimmy Scott, a, a redshirt freshman from up near Buffalo, New York, six two two sixty. More of the he you know, fits more of the um, John Morgan role, right? You know, the, a little bit lower to the ground, more explosive, strong. But there isn't a lot of production on the perimeter of this defensive line returning. Probably the least amount of production, I, I won't say probably, I'll say the least amount of production that Pitt has had coming back since probably 2019. It's been a long time since we've seen Pitt have to really replenish the perimeter of their defensive line. And COVID had a lot to do with that. I mean, you got, you got fifth- and sixth-year seniors that are able to return. But I, I don't think that that means this group can't be really good. And it leads into my next point, which is uh, this defense may rely—it's it's it's crazy to say this because we saw it at times last year, and, and with no Cervasier-Dennis at middle linebacker, it's crazy to say that this defense may rely more on their linebackers for pressure from a from a blitz perspective, but I think that may be the case. And I don't think that's only due to a lack of experience on the defensive line or lack of returning production. I think— there's plenty of talent there, and I think Deion's going to have a monster year. I think David Green and, and DeAndre Jules could have big years. But uh, when you look at the front seven and the length and, and speed and explosiveness they, that this pit team has at linebacker, I think people are sleeping on that position. It's always been a position that people, for whatever reason, Servassier Dennis notwithstanding, people have been concerned about. And I think, you know, it's largely due to the fact that the defensive line was such a household name that you were always going to be concerned about something. You have to be. And that defensive line was always dependent upon to be, you know, the power broker on that side of the ball. I think this year with Shane Simon moving inside and Bengali Kamara, you know, going into the latter portion of his career alongside Solomon DeShields and Brandon George and Kyle Lewis and, and some of the, the, the young players they have, this is as athletic a linebacker group as, as Pitt's had, and I think they're going to have to factor heavily into the, the pressure game if Pitt's going to if Pitt's going continue its run of being in the top two or three in the country in sacks. And, I mean, let's face it, that's a big part of the way they play. A big part of their success over the last two seasons, the 20 wins, has, has not only been, you know, certainly Kenny Pickett and, and Israel Banacanda and Jordan Addison and all the great players on offense, but... It's been the ability to get after the quarterback. And I think they've got the ability defensively to, to – it's hard to say this because they pressure a lot. They blitz a lot. I mean, th- this isn't a defense that just sits and rushes for that much. They're going to come after you. But this year, I think they're afforded the opportunity to do that even more and to do it in, in potentially more ways because of the experience in the secondary net corner. It puts them in a position to – and frankly, with the way with the way they play – and, and Pat Narduzzi and, and Randy Bates have done an excellent job with this defense, but with with less experience at safety, it, it may potentially be behoove them to play more of, of that you know that blitz zone middle safety where you're not putting a, a P.J. O'Brien or, or Javon McIntyre on an island in the slot playing quarters all game. That's still going to be their base, but blitzing or, or bringing pressure and playing more single safety can kind of Still allows you to be, you know, sound you know, in terms of run defense. Um, it's it's not as, it's not, it's not as much of a blanket against everything as quarters is, but puts the game in the offense's backfield. It allows your corners to man up and play one on one, which you feel great about, and it doesn't put it doesn't put a young safety in, in a field one on one situation. But we'll see how this defense deploys itself. Notwithstanding you know my thoughts on where I think this defense could go, I think there are legitimate questions, exciting questions, huge opportunities for this defensive line, and it really would qualify as a reloading year, particularly on the perimeter. And I'm looking forward to seeing training camp in a few weeks here and seeing who emerges.